Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. All right, welcome to Brother from Another. Whether you're consuming on Peacock TV, listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, YouTube, we love you. No matter how you're consuming Brother from Another podcast, uh, we're happy to have you. And we're happy to have Natalie here. Natalie here <laughs> officially, I think it's the first official co-hosting gig since you've been on board. And, you know, before we talk about all the other stuff, all the other sports news of the day and cultural news of the day. Yeah. I want to know how you're doing. That's my first question. Natalie, how are you doing? I am. I am. Well, for the most part. Yes, I'm well. You hesitated. Well, okay, I, first of all, let me ask you. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you. Okay. Now, listen, uh, th- this is a honeymoon period. It is never as good as it is right right now. It will never be this good. It's so good right now. If you say, if you ask for anything, if you ask for anything, the answer should be yes. Should be yes. I see you there in beautiful uh, Stanford, Connecticut at the home office. Yes. So is everybody treating you well? Yeah. Is everybody getting crazy? No. Everybody getting crazy? No. We can talk about it. It's just us. It's just us. No one is getting crazy. It's been great. No, this I'm a very compartmentalized person. So like professionally, career-wise, all is great. But, you know, okay. other things affect me, like my team acting crazy right now. So, <laughs> hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, that is a beautiful, that is a beautiful transition because all is well with you. I'm glad you're happy. You look happy. You sound happy. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, I can tell our family here. It's all family. We we don't keep secrets on brother from another. So I tell the people in the audience, you've already made us better already, already. Uh, we're just looking forward to that. So you are you you have delivered your championship, and you're still doing well. Thank you. Golden State Warriors had their championship, and remember, I just said. Things will never be as good as they are right now for you. <laughs> well, the same is true for the Golden State Warriors. Never as good as it was one night in Boston in June. Oh, you shut up the Boston Garden crowd. They had cussed you out a week before, but you came back. You stuck it to them. Draymond, you celebrated. Draymond and Jordan Poole were cool. <laughs> Nobody was saying anything negative about Clay Thompson. Steve Kerr was a genius. We weren't even thinking about James Wiseman. <laughs> and now, well, let's have Steve Kerr set the atmosphere for us. Here's Steve Kerr last night. Yep. Sure, and that's what being that's what being the coach is about. It's not uh, it's not just about drawing up a play. It's about really getting to know your players, building relationships with them, trying to give them a vision that they can collectively um, shoot for. And uh, clearly, I have failed at that. Uh, to this point this year. And so I have to do a better job and I've got to reach these guys and we got to pull them together and and that's what we're going to do. Okay, Natalie. Okay. All right, like not, there's so many issues here. 
you know this team. Uh, you know this team as well as anyone, better than anyone. I'll even, I'll even say it that way. Uh, before we get into what ails the Warriors, can I tell you that's one of the cliches I just can't stand. It's like a fake. It's fake accountability. It is fake. Yeah, I'll get in front of it, but you're not really. You're not really. You're saying it starts with me, but if I were to ask a follow-up question, so, all right, so you have one on the road because of you, Steve. Um, you're six and nine because of you. So how can you be better? He'd be offended. He wouldn't answer that question. Fact, or he might start answering that question. Then he go to the PR staff and like, who's that a-hole? Like, get that. We don't want it. Like, I don't, I don't want that guy in my press conferences anymore. Because he's actually taking something I said and following up because we don't believe you. We don't believe you, Steve. Even if you have more people, we don't believe you. We don't believe that it's your fault because it's not. You don't believe it either. Natalie, why are we talking like this about the Golden State Warriors? And we got time. So take your time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, where do you want me to begin? Um, I definitely did some eye rolling listening to Steve. But as a Warriors fan, this is like a thing with us. Because like when they have, I mean, this is a, more extreme circumstance but when they have like last season when they had like a period like they were just losing a lot of games and you know he'll come in like I didn't have them ready and we're like oh here we go like we we kind of we we, we kind of predict the quotes that are going to come from him so um you know I recorded actually a podcast right after the show last night and like I kind of ranked in order the three top things that I believe are like really hurting the Warriors and so don't give me one yet give me three Give me give, three. Give you all three? Okay. I so, want, no, no, no. No, give me number three, then number two, then number one. Uh, I want to build up. I want to build up. <laughs> okay. So number this, three. Okay. And look, these are all really important. So it's not like the order is drastically far apart on them. But That's number right. th- number three is the bench. It's the bench. Bench is not good. It's not good. And we, you talked about it yesterday on the show because you were asking about James Wiseman and, and why they were sending him down to the G League. And, you know, no the one... The C-dubs. <laughs> the C-dubs. That's supposed to make you feel better? <laughs> You're going to the C-dubs? <laughs> okay. <laughs> look. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's, it's okay. It's, look, there's nothing... I don't think inherently that there's anything wrong with going to the G League. So let me just make that clear. Um, it's a development league, right? And I think he has unique circumstances. We understand he didn't play a lot in college. He's been injured. Like, I mean, he's only played, I think, just over 50 games in his three NBA seasons, right? So I I think his circumstances are unique. Um, And I understand that most people are not going to give him the grace that I think he deserves. But I don't really have a problem with him going to the G League. There's some kind of people being disingenuous, this whole, like, look, there's precedent, Jordan Poole, blah, blah, blah. Listen, (laughs) Jordan Poole, when he went to the G League, probably didn't even need to go at that point. It is true that Jordan Poole struggled in his first couple of years. What's also true is that he was able to do that at a time when the Warriors weren't competing because one of those years, Klay Thompson was injured and Steph was out. So they basically were like a team that was rebuilding. They weren't technically rebuilding, but they didn't have like pressures and they weren't really trying to compete for a championship those years. And that's the kind of environment generally 
rookies lottery picks go into where they have the ability to go into a situation make mistakes and grow right so Jordan was growing and developing over those years but he also took a leap like he was putting in the work he took a leap and so that time when they sent him to the G League like he had already been playing well and showing it but it was just like a planned scheduled visit like we're gonna send you to the G League and I, in that last game when he was playing, people were like, don't go, don't go. And then, like, he came back and he was on fire. So people tried to turn it into this. He went to the G League, and two weeks later, he came back like a new player. And that's not what it was. I think that James Wiseman still needs a lot of work. So I don't have a problem with him going to the G League, but I think he needs a lot more development. So I'm not expecting him to go down there and a month later come well, back and be this new player. Okay, but you said the bench. And... and uh, part of that bench is Jordan Poole. Yes. So That's I don't know if two. he's not. I was gonna say he's number. Okay, he's number two. All right. So I want to get. I want to get to him in a second. Then, but I just want to point out that if the Warriors, I will tell you this: if the Warriors want to trade Jonathan Kaminga, if they uh, James Wiseman, <laughs> bring him here. Bring him here. Bring him here. I'll take him. I'll take I'll give you a good player. I'll give you a good player. I'll give you a good bench player. You want your bench to get better. I, I might trade you in straight up Derek White for Jonathan Kaminga. Straight up. You can have Derek White. You want Derek White? Had a good game last night. Derek White, good defender. <laughs> Young player. Good contract. Uh man. That, the Warriors I think, don't want to trade him. They don't. I know. That's Steve. See, that's on Steve Kirk. That's his fault. You know, you didn't get him ready. That's your fault. Put put Jordan uh put put Jonathan Kaminga in positions to be successful. The fact James that they Wiseman. haven't done that. I I am going to put that on, not Wiseman, Kaminga. Kaminga now, okay. Kaminga. So, so uh, I'm already, uh, you know, Wiseman's already with the C-dubs. So I'm already over him. Okay. Okay, number number two pick went to the G League, and that's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm over him. Okay. But now I'm saying if you if the bench is number three on Natalie's list, Yeah. And Kaminga's on the bench. Well, give him some more run, more consistency, define his role for him better, and maybe get more production. But get to number two, Jordan Poole. What's what's the Jordan Poole issue? Are we talking about beef with Draymond still, or what? What's the problem? No. So, and it's I, I have it's a two part. It's Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson. So I put those two together because oh, I like it. They're they're two. Here we go. They're two of the main guys, right? They're two of your main guys. It's Steph. It's and when I say that, because we know. Draymond is a main guy, but for purposes of their offense, it's Steph, Clay, and Jordan are really supposed to be your second and third options on any given night, and Andrew Wiggins is supposed to be your fourth option, but right now, Andrew Wiggins is their second best player, and that's fine because he's playing well. He's playing well. He was all-star last year. Great NBA Finals. But here's the thing, and he was their second best player in the finals. But Andrew Wiggins took a pay cut to stay with the Warriors. He's making less than Klay Thompson and less than Jordan Poole. They have to do more. They have to do better. And they're not doing their part right now. So um, it's a problem. And, like, they would um, – that's not all that ails them. So, But having those two be consistent and show up and do what you expect them to do on a nightly basis would go a long way in the Warriors looking like the team that we recognize. I, uh, we talked about this a bit yesterday. And before we get to your number one, uh, mention Clay Thompson going to the bench and how that might be a problem – because if Clay Thompson is not, and not because of, oh, he's just too proud and you can't do that to Clay Thompson. Sure, you can. Uh, the problem is 
what kind of production you're going to get from Klay Thompson coming off the bench if if he's not even doing well with Steph Curry on the floor and with Draymond on the floor making things easier for him, you know, you know, opening up lanes for him, creating spacing for him, then what's he going to do with the second unit? But how, how do you feel about Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole kind of switching roles? Poole to the starting lineup, Klay to the bench. Yeah, no, one of the rare times I agree 100% with Vinny, but he was spot on. Um, and I, I've, the rare times. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't see eye to eye all the time, but um, no, no, we, we got somebody you don't see eye to eye with that. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, Vincent is great. And obviously has great, like, you know, obviously he knows the league better than me, but Jess, we don't always, especially when it comes to the Warriors, he thinks I'm biased and that's understandable. I'm a fan of the team. Well, so of course I, I have some bias, right? Yeah, okay. But, um, he was spot on, right? Like, everyone talks about, like, Jordan starting in terms of Jordan getting better and how he'll perform. And I think there's this assumption that Clay can go to the bench and still be the same, right? Because people talk about, like, Jordan, he gets the benefit of, like, playing next to Steph. But Clay gets that same benefit. Every player gets that same benefit. Kevin Durant got right. that same benefit when he was there. And if you put, if you put Clay into the second unit... It might actually look worse because Clay is not a shot creator. He is not a playmaker. There's a skill set that Jordan has that Clay doesn't that makes him valuable in a different way than Clay Thompson. And Clay, I think, would actually struggle more, especially at this stage right now, how he's struggling with that bench unit. So it would not be good, I don't think. All right. Well, uh, here it is. The number one reason that the, that the, the Warriors, Last year's NBA champions, the team that had it all together, they had a beautiful mix of veteran championship talent with young, dynamic, emerging talent. They all together, they all celebrated. Oh man, this is a great, this is the model for how you do it, how you win right, right now and build for the future. Number one reason they're in this position where they're six and nine. And uh, struggling on the road is the cliche defense wins championships, right? And defense? their defense defense wins championships, and their defense is non-existent. Um, listen, up until maybe last night's game, the defense among the starting group had still been, for the most part, like if you just looked at the defensive rating when the starting group was playing, it was pretty good. And you were like more focused on the bench. But like last night, like no one showed up to help Steph last night, except Andrew Wiggins maybe in the second half. Um, he, got, he got into some early foul trouble. I mean, Dre, you rely on him to be a defensive leader and to be the voice. Yeah. And, you, and you, ha- you cannot help but wonder did what happened in the offseason affect his ability to lead, right? And, like, are the, yeah. are the voices in the locker room listening to him? I don't know, but you have to question that because you rely on him. Like, typically Draymond is a, is a walking top 10 defense. Like, just having him on the team does that. And he's not having that impact alone right now. Like, the rest of the team isn't. Kevon Looney's still a good defender. Andrew Wiggins is a, still a good defender. Steph is even a good defender. Right now, they're attacking Clay out there. They're not even targeting Steph on the court, right? Okay. But it's it's so, it's it's the defense, and it's mostly the bench. Jordan Poole, and it's 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 the bench. It's the it's the front court. They need to shore up the bench front court because they don't have a defensive anchor. Dante can cover. 
for Poole now that he's back and he's a solid defender. But they need someone who's going to come in there and defend. It could be Kaminga, but I think they need someone else. Now, I, I, I hope that yeah, we don't get to this point. I haven't received one of these uh, emails in a long time. But, you know, every, every now and then you get one of these emails from the bosses. And it's somebody has done something. Somebody has done something that's foul, right? And they send out these emails. All staff, dear staff, to the, to, to the staff. We have got to do a better job with not eating in the studio. We got to do a better job of, like, like I wasn't eating in the studio. And you're like, hey, were you eating in the studio? No, I wasn't eating in the studio. Hey, were you eating in the studio? No, I don't <laughs> And it, it, these big statements, and it's for one, one or two people. But like, listen, don't send me your, don't clog up. I got too many emails anyway. I got too many. Right now, I got about 7,000 emails. No, exa- no, no exaggeration. I believe I got about 7,000 emails in Gmail. 7,000. Oh, now, some you. of them just like, I beat you. Some of them's trash. You're right, right. Some of them's just like, you know, you go to a store. Hey, would you like a paper copy? No, I'm trying to save the environment. Okay, we'll email you. Oh, okay, here we go. Now, you're not going to email me just my receipt. You're going to email me for the next two years until I unsubscribe. I got I to harass you to stop harassing me. But a bunch of emails. I already got a bunch. I don't need some unnecessary email from you when you should have just sent that directly. And I bring that back to Steve Kerr. We lack grit. Oh, do we? You already mentioned. Does Steph lack grit? I don't think so. Uh, does Andrew Wiggins lack grit? I don't think he does. <laughs> Kayvon Looney's like, yo, man, I don't even shoot. I don't shoot. I just set picks and, and rebound all day. I've sacrificed everything. People don't even think I know how to like lift the ball toward a basket. Do I lack grit? Really? So if it is his fault, if he's identified the gritless, if I may, if he's identified the gritless yeah. and he won't call him out or he won't do something about it, tweak the lineup, you know, maybe, maybe you just got to put, maybe you got to put Clay on the bench, but not bring him off the bench. Maybe you got to sit him for a long time. Yeah. Are we, yeah, we and, talked about that a little bit. And it doesn't mean too. you don't love him. Yeah. I, you know, this is, this, this, this is a bit, we always talk about it's entertainment and it's a business, but then when you've been around for a long time, we start to personalize it a little too much and maybe Clay is one, maybe, I'm saying maybe, is one of those people who's taking business things personally. It's not personal, Clay. We love you. I, you know, I'm not a Warriors fan. I love him. I appreciate what he's done, but I mean, if if he's not performing, isn't he making like forty million dollars a year? Yeah, isn't like forty million. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Hey, you making <laughs> you making a lot of money. And you're not performing. Uh, you may have to sit down, and and other and anybody else who's in that category may have to do it. But he calls uh, we'll out see. Clay a we'll little s- bit in a very nice way. He's like, "We're gonna do our part to get." However, he phrased it, like Clay. So, I mean, he's letting us know it's on his radar, but it was very soft language. <laughs> oh, no, that's not. That's not a call out. You know, have so much. Re- he's such a professional. He works so hard and came back from those. In- we know. We yeah. know we did. We, we know. know we did, but we moved on. And let me ask you real quick before we uh, put the music on and bring in our, our girl, Nash- uh, Ashley Nicole Moss. 
in a couple of minutes. You think the Warriors are going to go back to the NBA Finals? Let's just project. We're talking about problems right now. Do you think they're back to the NBA Finals? Would you bet against them? I would not bet against them, but they have to fix things soon. Something has to change. Look, they could have a little Cinderella story like Boston, right? I mean, you guys didn't turn it around until, you know, basically January. It was deep. Right? So February. Yeah. So (laughs) it was late. So, I mean, and like it's the Warriors, they're proven champions. So, no, I'm not betting against them. But right now, the West is in a place. It's sort of like the East last year. The West is in a place where no team has really created separation. And so they can't let themselves get too far back, right? And so some kind of change has to happen. You have to at least have a winning record. They're three games below 500 right now. Yeah, well, three games below 500, that's perfect because you mentioned Boston. After 39 games last year, Boston was 18 and 21. Number 11 in the Eastern Conference, not even in the play in conversation, out of the playoffs. After 39 games, it's pretty much half the season, right? Right. And then things happen. They went on a run. So uh, maybe the Warriors need to hire Ime Udoka. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Like, you know, I start the music before I get in trouble. All right. You're too much. We got Ashley Nicole Moss. <laughs> Ashley Nicole Moss is coming up next. He's, hey, he's available, though. He doesn't have a job. Listen, no. <laughs> no, you're not interested. Not interested. Frank okay. Vogel, maybe. Some defense. Frank Vogel. Defense. He's got to be on somebody's staff somewhere. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, welcome back to the show. As I mentioned, we're always pleased to be joined by the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss. Ashley, uh, you know, when we talked earlier in the season, not that I have to inspire you to cape up for the Cowboys. You are the biggest Cowboys fan I know, or in the top five. You're definitely in the top five. There are lots of Cowboys fans. I hope I'm not the biggest, because that... <laughs> I was gonna, that's a lot. That's saying a lot because the Cowboys have a lot of the Cowboys have a lot of national fans who just uh, it, the Cowboys can do no wrong. Now you have you have criticized them before, and you, mm-hmm. I remember when Dak went down, you were a little skeptical skeptical about what they could do. Now Dak is back, and they just lost the game to drop them to six and three, and shockingly, they're behind Philadelphia and the Giants. In the NFC East, how do you see the Cowboys going down the stretch final eight games of the season? I think they're all winnable games. It all comes down to schemes and how you execute those schemes, right? I don't think that what happened against Green Bay is solely Dak Prescott's fault. I know when you're the quarterback, you're the captain of the ship, and it's easy to take the blame, and usually you do take the blame. But if you actually watched the game, it wasn't all that. There were a lot of, you know, drop passes. There were a lot of schemes that just were not conducive 
for winning. And also, I gotta bring it back to the head coach. Listen, it seemed like the storyline was. It seemed like the storyline was more about Mike McCarty and you know heading back to Green Bay for the first time and the homecoming and blah 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 blah. blah. Sounds great, <laughs> but you're with the Dallas Cowboys. I need you to focus on the task at hand. And there were a lot of things that happened, especially in that fourth quarter, that, you know, were not the smartest. And his decision to not kick a field goal in overtime, ultimately making it so that Green Bay, all they had to do was go ahead and get into field goal range, kick a field goal, and win the game, you know, next four wins, I think was a just asinine decision. And a lot of Cowboy fans are questioning if this is the coach that is going to go ahead and bring us back to the promised land. And I said it you know, earlier in the season and even last season when there were a lot of small things that turned into big things, I don't think he's that guy. I think the guy that's going to bring us there is Sean Payton. So, Sean, I'm recruiting you again. I did this at Super Bowl this past year. I'm doing it again. Just just putting that out there. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? And, Natalie, I'm going to say this, and then I want to pass it to you. Um wasn't okay. Who's I, I, I may have forgotten. I need you to correct me. Mm-hmm. When Cooper Rush went in and won games, who was the head coach then? I'm, I'm, I can't remember. Who was it for the Cowboys? <laughs> who, was their, who was their head coach? You know what? It was Mike, but listen, I'll say this. Okay. It's a little bit, okay. it's different when you're using your backup quarterback, right? Because when you use a backup quarterback, there's not as much film on that guy as it is at Dak Prescott, who has seasons of film. You kind of know his habits. You know what he's going to do in certain situations. You know his strong suits. You know his weaknesses. When you're using a backup quarterback, it's that you know, mystique, you know, you don't really know much about this guy. You don't know how he's going to react in certain situations. And yes, you may have in Cooper Rush's situation, you have um, more film than you would say on a regular backup who usually doesn't see the field as much as Cooper Rush has had to in these past two seasons, but it's just, it's not the same. And I think also you get spoiled by Doc's ability to do more than what Cooper Rush can do. And with that, you start calling things that are really unnecessary to call instead of doing what the Cowboys did with Cooper Rush. And that was put him in his pocket to where he just has to do just enough to go ahead and win games, much like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. I'm just curious to know, because I know you're a big uh, Cowboys fan, where do you stand on just Dak Prescott in general? Because I see different talk and... Some people are just over him. Where where do you stand on him? I'm still a big Dak Prescott fan, and maybe, you know, that's a a biased opinion because he's a friend of mine, so I'm kind of on that side of the spectrum. But listen, I think that – I think Dak has a lot of, you know, things that are not – you can't put a value on. He has a lot of the intangibles, as they say. He's a great leader, and we've seen what the team looks like when he's not at the helm. We've seen what the team looks like when he's not there. It's a drastically different team, and any team can fake it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, but when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, he is the nucleus of this system, and I think that it's about putting him in situations where he can go ahead and be great at the things that he is great at. And I think a lot of the times when you have a quarterback who's athletic, when you have a quarterback who you feel can do so many different things, you try to throw everything against the wall and see what's going to fit and see what's going to stick. 
And sometimes you just can't do that. And I think that the Cowboys are guilty of doing that with Dak more times than not. Okay. Ooh, that throw. Ooh, that throw. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, a couple couple bats. But, you know, listen, it happens. It happens uh, even to the best of them. Uh, uh, speaking of the best or the previous best, we were talking before you came on, Ashley, uh, about the Golden State Warriors to switch in sports. Mm-hmm. Won a championship last year. Looked great. Really a wonderful run. And now uh, they lost last night to a team that wants to be their rival. Like the Phoenix Suns are like, they are provoking them. They are they they are one. They want to make themselves so distasteful to Golden State, uh, so Golden State can really think about them. And like it's, this is a this is a nasty thing. But anyway, you lost to Phoenix last night. They're six and nine. They struggled on the road. Clay struggling. What's your what's your take on on Golden State? And do you think they'll be able to shoot or defend the defend their way out of it? Yeah, here's the thing with Golden State. I think they're working off that, you know, it's called the championship rust a little bit, you know, too much champagne spilling your system. But I think also, you know, Clay Thompson was going to take a while to get back to the clay that we know and even a fraction of the clay that we know. You know, we saw glimpses of it, but we still didn't see it in its entirety last season. And I think that was because he didn't have a full season to get his legs underneath him. He didn't really have enough time to get acclimated back into the system, back with the guys. You know, he's coming off of two major injuries, and that's not something, you know, that's easy to do, especially someone who's not 22 years old. So I think with play, it's going to take a little bit more time. But am I worried about the Golden State Warriors as a whole? No. I mean, look at the competition in the West. I mean, there's only a handful of teams that you really have to worry about. You can't worry about the Lakers. They're a disaster. Um, The Clippers, I don't even know. Is Kawhi ever going to play basketball again? Like, what's the status of that? You know, you have to look at some of the other teams. Yeah, the Grizzlies are always in the the conversation lately. Um, But I think the West is a lot more open than it used to be. And if this were a few years prior, I'd say the Warriors are in trouble. But given how the basketball kind of rhetoric has shifted and now the competitive conference is the East, I say that the Warriors are still in a really good position to make the playoffs. I'm not worried. Are they going to be a number one seed, a number two seed, a number three seed? Maybe not. Are they going to be there? Absolutely. I love your confidence in the Warriors because right now <laughs> they are frustrating me. But they are playing the Knicks next. That's their next game. Are well, you aware they'll, have a, they'll, they'll probably have a fantastic game, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys just won, right? Yeah. The Knicks just won. We yeah. did, yeah. The Knicks was good last night. They, they did, so. Have you been, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about Tibbs potentially on the hot seat, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think Tibbs should remain as the coach or, you know, should... Yeah, I mean, I think this is part of the Knicks' problem, and I've spoken about this before. It's the lack of a foundation. It's the lack of continuity. And that's in all aspects, whether it's the front office, whether it's the players, whether it's the coach. And listen, a coach is not going to do every single thing right, but I think the goal is to see more pros than cons. And personally, I've seen more pros since Tibbs had with his tenure with the New York Knicks, and I've seen cons. Yes, there are things that are frustrating. There are things in terms of his management of certain players that you kind of look at and you're like, okay, I don't understand that. He's playing great. Why don't you just pull him? And that's frustrating. But is it egregious enough where I say, okay, you got to fire him and let him go? 
No, this is a drastically better Knicks team than we have seen in a very long time. And a lot of that is because of Tom Thibodeau. And I don't think you can just go ahead and give him, you know, his pink slip because of a couple of bad games. I think that he is the coach this team needs right now. So, unpopular opinion, Knicks fans. Sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, let, let's switch gears. Let's stay in New York, though. Let's stay in New York. Uh, go over to the borough of Brooklyn and uh, talk about the Nets. Who, who, I know, and I didn't say, I, I, we know the Knicks are king. We know. We know the Knicks got it. <laughs> okay. This, this is no battle of the city kind of stuff. There's no battle. I've listened very well. Listen to you. Listen to Amina Smith. I believe you guys that it's all about the Knicks. I got it. But sure. Brooklyn, Brooklyn is uh, really in a strange position. We'll talk about Kyrie later, but I really want to ask you about Kevin Durant. You know, he had some comments to, to Chris Haynes and said, hey, look at my teammates, essentially. What do you expect? Look at the starting five. Not much here. And, and I'm wondering if you think, I, I, I'm pretty confident saying Kevin Durant will not be a Brooklyn Net next year. But how about now? Do you think he'll be traded this season? And, and if so, where? It depends on what the Nets, first of all, the comments, I, I respect Katie's honesty. I'm all about honesty. It may have not been great to hear if you're next, if, you know, if you're Claxton and those guys are probably like, dang, what did I do? Like, I'm trying to, but I respect the honesty. Um, I'll say this, I'll say it depends on what the Nets are looking to accomplish. If they are hell bent on being a contender and going deep into the playoffs and, you know, even possibly competing for a championship like they say that they want to and what the plan has been since day one, then no, Kevin Durant's not going to get traded. If there comes a point where the writing is on the wall for them and they say, look, it's not going to happen for us and they come to that realization and they have those honest conversations and say the only way that this team can survive in some capacity is if we blow it up and start over, um, then yeah, he'll be traded. That depends on you know what the front office and what Joe Sy and what those guys, what kind of conversation they have with themselves midway through the season. And if midway through the season there is no light at the end of the tunnel, then you have to do what's not only best for your organization and for your fan base and you know for the future of the Brooklyn Nets, but you also have to take into consideration you know one of the greatest players of all time, Kevin Durant. You know you've got to. He's given everything he can to this franchise, and if it's not going to work, then you gotta let him go. You know, you have to let him be great someplace else. He's not 25 years old. He's over 30. Only so many years left that he's gonna be playing at a top level. If you can't utilize him and you know that it's not going to happen for you, you gotta let him go and just blow it up. It wouldn't be the first time you've seen it happen. Has he given everything though? His all to this franchise? I feel like he bails, like the sign of trouble. He wants to bail, he wants to leave. Even like, and I get it. I get the honesty, right? Mm-hmm. But you still have to lead the, the players that you're being honest about. Right. So isn't there a level of diplomacy or a way that you go about it? So you're not tearing down the same guys you have to go on the court with. I mean, I just, I don't know. I feel like he's getting sort of a pass. Like, oh, it's not good. I'm going to bail and leave. And I mean, that's fine. That's his right. But he kind of came in and he's a large part of the reason why the team is where it is. He didn't want Kenny Atkinson to be the coach, you know. Um, he wanted to play with Kyrie. Like, he created a lot of this. And so now that it's like this, to then be like, oh, you know, I want to go. I don't have what I need. Like, I mean, you need to help fix it. You have created it. 
No, I agree with you completely. I think, you know, Katie definitely has some blame in the situation. Nobody told him to leave Golden State. He wanted to go ahead and, and win on his own and prove that he can do that. And the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So absolutely, he takes some of the blame. But when I say given his all, I think a lot of players would have failed before Kevin Durant did. I think that the Brooklyn Nets had been chaos since he got there. I don't think in some way, shape, or form, whether it's injury, whether it's, you know, the saga with, you know, um, Kyrie not wanting to get vaccinated, then the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, and then the Steve Nash situation. He's gone through a lot of different sagas with this franchise that I don't think a player of his caliber may have, you know, seen through as much as he has. So for that, I have to give him credit because he has continued to step on the court every single night and give 100%. He's battled back from injuries and come back and given 100%. So for that, I have to give him credit. Is he completely, you know, free of fault? Absolutely not. Much like LeBron in LA, like this is what you wanted. You got what you wanted. It's not working. I get it. But you still have to go ahead and look in the mirror and say a lot of the reason it's not working is because this is what I asked for and maybe I didn't think it through. But I will say that Kevin Durant has given a lot, you know, just to close it up, has given a lot to Brooklyn that, again, I don't see somebody of his caliber maybe seeing through. A lot of guys would have been like, after the Kyrie vaccine thing, would have been like, I'm out. I can't do this. It's too much. Like, Well, Natalie and Ashley, I'll say this. Kevin Durant has given us a lot to think about, and that is how it, 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 there's no answer right now, but something to think about. It's homework for all three of us. How do we, in our professions, how do we lead with honesty, authenticity, but also we, we lead with honesty and authenticity, but also inspire the group? How do you do that? How can you be honest and authentic and a leader? Because your honesty might slice somebody. It might be honest. He should check in with his former teammate. You can say a lot. I can understand the words may not necessarily have been the nicest, but I think Kevin Durant leads by example. I don't think he's I don't think he's the vocal leader. I don't think he's the leader who's like, rah, rah, let's do this, guys. Come on, we can get it. You can do it. I think he's the guy who leads by example by what he does in practice what he does on the court, what he does in games. And for some guys, that's his, that's their definition of being a leader. There are locker room guys who are going to cheer you on and, and, you know, stroke your ego and give you that boost of confidence you need to go out every single game. And then there are guys who are not big talkers. They're all action. And I think that KD has always been somebody who is about action and not necessarily about the words. And that's just the type of leader that he is. It doesn't make it wrong, doesn't make it right. I don't think I don't think he desires to be a leader. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Hey, but if you go, hey, look, you, you, hey, uh, Ashley, you value honesty in relationships. I value clarity in relationships. So if you're gonna be the, if you're gonna be the lead by example person, hey, if, don't, don't, don't pay attention to my words. Okay, lead by example, good. But then don't come back with some words that slice me up. That's not, wait a minute. Now you're off brand. Now you're off brand. What happened? You're not supposed I to be a talker. Listen. But now you're I'm talking. Sure it's, I'm sure, in, 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 you know, playing devil's advocate, I'm sure it's not something maybe he ha- they haven't heard him say before. It was just the first time we heard it. I would, I'd be Ooh. willing to bet. Ooh. I'd be willing to bet it's not the first time okay. those guys have heard <laughs> something along those lines. Ashley, so. we love you. Always good to see you. 
Nice to meet you. We will catch up with you soon. Go Cowboys. Go boys. <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan all of a sudden. Are you? Well, I mean, this year, I root for him. I want to see him do well. I'm a Mike McCarthy fan. Mm, this year. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, uh, Natalie, our, our, our family is going to get to know you better. We're getting to know you. <laughs> and everybody sees you. And they look at Natalie. Oh, Natalie, she's got a beautiful smile. She's always smiling. She's very pleasant. But we've seen another side of you, too. Uh, Jason Johnson was like, hey, where is she? Where is she? Like, I, I don't know if I can come. I don't know if I can come because, like, she got me pretty good <laughs> the last time I was there. And then, you know, I'm sure last night you were watching the Warriors and Suns. I bet you there was another side of you that came out as you were watching the, uh, the Phoenix Suns. Why? You said the Suns are very unlikable. Why do you think the Suns are unlikable? Oh my gosh, they're so arrogant. And for what? For no reason. I mean, they just, listen, I get it. NBA players, they're cocky. I don't expect them to be, like, timid on the court. But, like, where was this swagger? Where? Why weren't you carrying yourself like this in the second round when the Mavs Ooh. came into town and embarrassed you and you lost by how many points was it? Like, I just... A bunch. A, a lot. At <laughs> yes. home. At home. Game seven. At home. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, in a regular season game, like just all of this extraness, you know, the they just annoy me. They annoy me. They're an annoyable bunch. Of course, it annoys me more because they were doing it to my team. But I think they are an annoying yeah. group and I don't like them. And I can't wait to watch them fail again because I think that they are still fraudulent and they will not make it. Front runners. Yeah. Front, front runners. runners. That was actually but, what I but, said in my feed originally. Then I changed it. The Phoenix Suns are front runners. <laughs> See, but what happened, what happened, I'm sure, there, you know, a two sides to every story. I'm sure they are responding to some comments from the Warriors bench because the Warriors have one of the top three trash talkers nonstop, does not turn it off in the NBA. That would be Draymond. So I'm sure Draymond and others were chirping at them. They're like, okay, Listen. we're just tired of them. And now they're, now they can't win on the road. Now they're under 500. Maybe they'll be better than we are by the time we get to the playoffs. But right now, we're going to live in the moment. It's November, and we're going to be November champions. Damn it. Okay. We're going to be November champions. Well, we keep receipts. Anyway. We keep receipts, especially on NBA Twitter. So, <laughs> Twitter. NBA Twitter. So how's, how's, Twitter, how's Twitter working out for you in the era of Elon? It is such a mess, honestly. Like, and you know, everyone right now, look, especially you know how black Twitter operates within Twitter. So it's yes. like, it's a bunch of jokes and we're like, oh, we're all going down with it. But like on the more serious sides of things, I think people should really be concerned. Like I really am concerned selfishly for my own reasons as a content creator, but 
I don't, I don't know, especially if you don't use Twitter, I don't think that everyone appreciates how much Twitter impacts the news cycle, how important Twitter has become to our society. Like, I mean, you have mainstream media taking their leads and their stories from Twitter. It also provides so much vital information on the ground sometimes when the news isn't in there. It helps to That's keep right. some of the media, like, in check. It, like, it would be very critical if, if Twitter cannot withstand Elon Musk. And so I just think everyone needs to be really, really concerned and should be invested in the survival of Twitter. Hmm, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it, especially that news point is a great one. I mean, this didn't, this didn't exist uh, in the 20th century at all. Uh, I love the accountability point for media members and also just like the crowdsourcing where you allow a lot of different voices to be heard those voices were being ignored or not even thought about, you know, 15 years ago. And now it's a major part of any kind of news gathering that's worth anything uh, does involve Twitter. Let me ask you this. I already talked about November champions. Let's talk about November award winners. MVP. You got to call it right now. NBA MVP. You are giving it to. I'm giving it to Giannis, but. Jason Tatum is like my 1A. Jason Tatum? Yes, Jason Tatum. Because? I mean, he's playing incredibly. He's playing incredibly. This is, if Jason Tatum can maintain his level of play, this is what the Celtics need to put them over the edge. I am a big, firm believer to win a championship. Like, all these teams that are, like, good and have these, like, high wins during the season, if they don't have a top five player, like, I don't take you seriously. And so, like, that's why when the Warriors were going against the Celtics, I said, who's the best player in the series? Because I thought the teams were evenly matched. It's Stephen Curry. If he can play like a tier one guy, if he can play like a Giannis and a Steph, that that puts them in a different category. And this this is the leap we've been waiting for him to take. So if he sustains it, Tatum. See, I, I need your perspective on this because this is a this is a great conversation. Uh, I agree with you. He's playing well. Giannis is Giannis is playing great. And Giannis last night, if you look at his starting five, Kevin Durant. If you look at Giannis's starting five last night, had no Middleton, uh, had no Holiday. Uh, you look at some of those names in the starting lineup. You haven't heard of a couple of them. And they beat a, a good Cleveland team by 15 points. So, but the Celtics are missing guys call- too. And yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah, let's let's calm down with who well look at these guys around me. What am I supposed to do with all these what you're supposed to do is just get the is carry them. Carry yes. them. Yes. And we don't ask that of top twenty players. We don't ask that of top fifteen players. We do ask that of top five players. Carry these guys as far as you can go, and it's not always fair. Sometimes you gotta play far like above your normal level, mm-hmm. which is exceptional. You gotta go even, you know, 2%, 3% higher because that's what superstars do. But let me ask you, your perspective, because in Boston, last year after game six, Jason Tatum was getting killed. Mm-hmm. Media-wise, fan-wise, they were killing him. Oh, look what he shot in the finals. Yeah. He's not ready. Jalen Brown was the best player in the, on, in the finals for the Celtics. Oh, I don't know if Tatum is that guy. How did Warriors fans, how did you as a Warrior, I'm not going to ask you to speak for all Warriors fans, but you, 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 you're celebrating after game six. 
And somebody mentioned game. Uh, somebody mentioned Jason Tatum to you after the Warriors won a championship. What was your thought? I mean, look, I have great respect for Jason Tatum and the Celtics. So I, I felt bad that he was receiving that kind of criticism. But it was his first finals, you know? And I thought, like, it was a learning moment for him because there were things that the Warriors figured out about him and Brown that I think allowed them to have that success. So, yes, he wasn't shooting well, but there were weaknesses in his game. And he went this offseason and he worked on them and he's a much better player. And that's what the great ones do, you know? So, like, no one wants to lose. You certainly don't want to lose the first time you've made the finals. But if you look at Jason Tatum's career and the trajectory to this point, he's just had so much success. And I think it's overlooked, you know? It's always Luka, 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 Luka. And Luka is great. But, I mean, Jason Tatum, like, look how early he was going to the Eastern Conference Finals and leading his right. team. He's an incredible player, and I want him to have success, except against the Warriors. But outside of that, you know, I want him to have great success in the Celtics. I love them. They're honestly my favorite team in the East. So, I'm a, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. They're like my second team. But, yeah. I love well, them. no way. No way. This is, yeah. this is shocking. Now, yeah. this, I'm like, yeah, your I colleagues. Like the and, now, and now we're learning. We're learning things about each other. I do. I you, love this. I said during the break that, or going in the break, that I'm a Cowboys fan this year mm-hmm. for some reason. And you didn't know that. But you telling me you're a Celtics fan? That's your number two team? Yeah, they're my East team. Now, now next thing you're going to tell me is you love Boston? You love Boston as a whole? You the love the city, city of Boston? or the team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I actually. The city. I know people are not supposed to like Boston, I'm told, but I love Boston, so I do. Come on, I do love Boston. Yeah, I oh, I go to a lot of games in Boston. I used to always go to like back in the days before people were up on the Warriors. I'd make sure I always went to Boston for Celtics Warriors. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'd like to see, Natalie? What's that? I think I'd like to see. I'd like to see another one. I'd like to see a rematch. I would too. Celtics Warriors and see if this one could go seven games like take it to take it to game seven. I like what I what I don't like to see uh, in, in NBA finals and like it happens. You're right. First NBA finals. A lot of a lot of uh, great players in their first NBA finals were just okay. And you know, it's been a long time and people may not remember like Larry Bird first NBA finals. Not great was not the MVP of his first NBA finals. LeBron James, we remember, first NBA Finals. Uh, not that he was terrible, but they got swept. Right. And and he, he struggled from the field. And Jason Tatum last year shot like, you know, 35, 36% right. in the NBA Finals. So, anyway, Boston fan, Natalie, great <laughs> job. I'll see you tomorrow. All see you right. tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.